Last week, Pastor Charles Homer talked about the temple tussle. We found ourselves in the temple of God. It's supposed to be God's dwelling place on earth. And Jesus walks in and he expects to find one thing and he finds something completely different. He walks in and he expects to find the worshipers of God praying, bringing offerings and sacrifice, doing their acts of worship. And what he finds is alongside some of those sincere worshipers is a group of men that are exploiting them. Money changers. These guys just skimming off the top, doing all these different things. And Jesus gets angry because these men are violating his father's house. And the men who are meant to protect the temple, the priests, the religious leaders, they were not doing their job. They should have been the ones that were saying, hey, you're not welcome here, go away. But they advocated for it. They allowed it. They made, they were party to this great, Injustice in God's house. And Jesus became angry, righteously angry. He began to upturn tables. You know how it goes. A whip, you know, it's Jesus. You know, it's crazy Jesus. You know, he's going nuts. He's throwing people out. And here's the thing. This type of, this action, people doing, saying one thing, people who are supposed to be one way, but acting another way, has been happening over and over and over again in Jesus' ministry. In the weeks following, in, the, in these days following, we're going to look at it in the book of Matthew coming up, over and over and over again. There's people, there's religious leaders, there's disciples, there's the crowd. They're saying one thing. They say they believe one thing, but they're doing another. What do we call that when someone says one thing and does something else? What do we call that person? We call him a hypocrite. We call him a hypocrite. And Jesus is surrounded by hypocrites. Everywhere he goes, he sees the hypocrisy. People who should know better not living the way they should live. And when you do that, have you ever had those days where you feel like you might be going a little bit crazy? Where everything seems to not be right? You know, like, there's that, there's that sense. You know, whenever you get, like, a car, maybe a new car, you're driving a car that's new to you, and you've never and you start to see your car everywhere. Have you ever had that happen? My wife, she brought into our marriage, she brought a Mazda Protégé 5. You may have no idea what it looks like. If you want to look at it, I have a really ugly, dusty one outside. Um, and I'd never really taken notice of this car. And now I drive that car, and now I see it everywhere. It's everywhere. It's this, like, hatchback. And I start, sometimes I think, am I going... These cars, were they here before? Or did everyone just buy it because I got it? Like, is this like a Truman Show thing? Am I like some sort of video game here? You start to feel crazy. Jesus was surrounded by hypocrites, and he started to see them everywhere. The Pharisees, the crowds, the disciples, all these people who said they should do one thing, they said they wanted to live one way, said they follow God, said they honor God, but were living other ways at times. And that's when Jesus comes across a fig tree. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Verse 18. Here's what Jesus, what happens with Jesus. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And Jesus said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. 
Jesus is seeing hypocrisy everywhere. He's seeing it everywhere. He was just at the temple the day before. He was there. He saw these hypocrites cheating the true worshipers of God. He's seeing it everywhere. And he finds a tree. A tree. And he starts to see hypocrisy in this very tree. Now here's the thing. If you've read the book of Mark, there's a story in there too. And you, and you learn from Mark that it's not actually fig season at this time. So then you start to wonder, whoa, why is Jesus getting so angry at this tree? I mean, it doesn't have any fruit, but should it have fruit? And I did some, I did some horticultural research for you. Spent some time looking this, these types of things up. What's the deal? Why does he get angry? How does he get angry if it's not supposed to be, have figs on it? But here's the thing. When a fig tree, if you know about fig trees, if you know about fig trees, you have, when the leaves start to come out, when it starts, the little green shoots, all these leaves start coming out, at the same time, that's when the fruit should begin to grow. It's not edible yet. It's not good yet. It's kind of bitter. It's nasty. You're not going to eat it. But when you see a leafy, lush fig tree, what you should be able to expect, if you pull back those leaves, if you look on those branches, is the fruits. The fruit, it's forming. It's growing. When you see a leafy fig tree, when you see it beautiful, green, there should be anticipation. There's a harvest coming. There's going to be bearing much fruit. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be delicious. You can take them. You can cut them in half. You can roast them. Put some balsamic vinegar on it, some goat cheese. You're going to be enjoying yourself some figs. But Jesus walks up to this tree and expecting one thing. Imagine walking up to the temple and expecting one thing. He finds another. He finds only leaves. He finds only leaves. I brought, I brought a little prop. Let me go grab it. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. You ready? I brought something from home. I crammed it in my car. I brought my, uh, this tree. Yeah. Isn't it hideous? Um, this is supposedly, this is supposedly an orange tree. This is supposed to be an orange tree. You'll notice a lack, a distinct lack of orange on it. Um, and an exceptional amount of brown, so that's not good. I'm not a very, I'm trying to become a better gardener. I like to grow, I like the idea of growing things. I love the idea of, how, like, I grow tomatoes. I don't really like tomatoes. My wife eats them, but I like to grow them. I grow, I've got, like, some of these things, and some of it doesn't work out. But every year, I've had this for about three years. Every year, every year, I start to see the little orange blossoms coming, Okay. And orange blossoms, they smell really nice. They got that like citrus, citrusy thing. And the blossoms are a promise of oranges, okay? I'm looking for, mm, I'm going to eat some. I also don't really care for oranges, but I'm looking forward to my kids and my wife enjoying some oranges. I'm looking forward to the fruits. And I take care of it, right? I, I water it. I put some citrus uh, uh, fertilizer. I've changed the pot as I have been instructed to do so, making a bigger. Some of you are green thumbs and you're saying, Ryan, you're stupid. Please t- tweet at me, email me, call me, tell me how to take care of this thing. I want some oranges. I'll eat them, I promise. But every year the blossoms begin to grow. They flower. It's, it's beautiful. And then they fall off and there's nothing. It just teases me every year. Hey, check it out. Here's some, here's some oranges. Just kidding. No oranges. No oranges. Jesus finds this tree. Hey, ooh, good. Like, let's see this tree. I'm looking forward to what's next. Only leaves and he curses that tree. And it withers at once. When Jesus looks at these, he looks at the people. 
you find a Pharisee, a religious person, someone who says they're God-fearing, they honor God, and you go up, and he goes up, and he examines them. And what does he find? He finds guys that look the part. He finds folks that look the part. They're dressed like a religious person. They act. Uh, they, they say religious things. These men, these religious leaders, they would have known the first five books of the Bible. They would have memorized the scriptures. They would have known these things. They would have been able to quote God's word. They would have been able to teach people about God's word. They would have tithed, given their money and their offerings at the temple. They would have said and kind of looked the right way. But when you pull back the leaves, when you draw back the curtain, when you look at them for who they really are, there was no fruit there. There was no, there was not the sincerity There was not the true devotion. There wasn't the true religion, the following and honoring of God and his word. These men, these people were empty. They were empty. Jesus would go on to describe these men as whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. Pretty, ornate graves. A nice little mausoleum, but inside there is death. Jesus would call them blind guides, and we're going to see... In the next few weeks, Jesus becoming more and more at odds with these men that were supposed to be followers, that were supposed to be pointing people towards the Messiah, pointing people towards Jesus, knowing and obeying the word of God, and yet not doing it. For us, hypocrite is a big, important, is kind of like a buzzword surrounding Christianity, surrounding religion in general today. You know, outside the church, people accuse Christians often of being hypocrites. Of having, God says one thing, and they do another. God says, have compassion on the poor and the needy. But a lot of times, we just don't do it. God says to love other people. And a lot of times, we look and act more hateful than loving. People look at it, even within the church, we look around. You know people. Wow, they come here every week. They say they're Christians, but I know, like, they're having an affair. Or I know that they have improper business practices. Or I know they're filled with greed. Or I know that they're not living. They're hypocritical. All of us have those hypocritical things in our hearts because we can be the same. When Jesus calls out the Pharisees, when Jesus calls out religious folks, when Jesus calls out religious people, people who should know better, every time that happens in the Bible... First, I want to condemn, and then I remember that I am the exact same way. Some of us are hypocrites. We're hypocrites in our own way. All of us. We're not perfect. We're imperfect people. We're in process. We're We're moving. We're growing. But there's some of us that are hypocrites. There's some of us that maybe you go to church every week. You're here every single week. And you even go to a community hour class and things like that. Maybe you serve as an usher or greeter. Maybe you tithe every month. Hey, I give money, I give money, I give money. Oh, I've served on a worship team. I've served on a missions trip. I've done something like that. You have all the appearances, all the appearances of looking like a believer, like you know, like you act like you know Jesus. You act like you're a Christian. But what if Jesus was to come and to look at your life? What if he was to look at you? Are you just... Is he going to find you just being a really leafy, green tree? 
Is he going to draw back the leaves of your life and say, wait, there's, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. There's, there's no fruit. I called you to love people. You don't love people. I called you to be kind to people. You're not kind to people. I called you to tell people about me. You never mention me ever. You're a completely different person on Sunday than you are the rest of the week. What's going on? You don't want Jesus to find that your devotion, that your religion, that your Christianity is just external and outward and for appearances only. Because we know what Jesus did to the fig tree. He cursed it. He cursed it. May you never bear fruit again. And it withered at once. We need to be people who bear fruit. We can't just look the part. We can't just look like it. We can't just say, oh, we do this one thing. We have to live for Jesus. But on the other hand, today we got something different. Sometimes Jesus is speaking in to a very specific time to specific people. There's a culture of religion. There's a culture of looking the part. But I think today Jesus would, would definitely speak to that, but he would speak to the other side of that coin. That sometimes... We don't care about looking like followers of Jesus either, right? Like a fig tree, think about a fig tree or think of this orange tree. What if it just had a bunch of oranges but no leaves whatsoever and it was this hideous naked orange thing? You know, it'd be kind of odd looking. I think today a lot of us want to say, we want to say, I want to be authentic in my faith, which is good. There's a value to that. But a lot of times what it brings us to is this idea, hey, I know that God is, I know that I'm supposed to pray. I know that I'm supposed to meet with God. I know I'm supposed to speak with him. But I'm not really feeling like it today. So I'm not going to do it. Or you feel that God is moving you to share with someone. There's a family member, a friend, a coworker that you know doesn't know about Jesus. You know they are lost. You know they are in great need. And yet you feel, I don't feel like, I'm a little nervous. I don't know what's going to go. I know God, I know Jesus told me to make disciples of all nations, but I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. I'm not, I don't know, my heart's not there. I'm not feeling it. Obviously, it's best if you're both feeling it, you're like, ooh, I want to do this, I'm excited, and you do obey as well. But God tells us throughout the scripture that he desires obedience. And, so, and sometimes, obedience is not pleasant, right? Do you remember being a child? And being told to clean your room, you never wanted to do that. Now I love to clean, though. It's great. When you're a child, you're being told to eat your vegetables. Obey! I'm doing, I do that every night. Obey! I beg of you to obey. It's not always pleasant. It's not always pleasant. But let me say this. If, what if you just did what you felt like? That's what happens. We choose and pick and say, I want to do this for God. I don't want to do this for God. God, I know you say this, but I'm not going to do that. I'll do this instead. Look, what if... Let me give you a couple examples. Some days I've got two beautiful children, an almost five-year-old and an almost two-year-old. And some days when work is over and it's time to go home, if I'm honest with you, some of you are going to hate, uh, think I'm a terrible person now, sometimes I don't want to go home. Okay? Any of you that are parents, I hope that you can relate to me on some level. Some days... I've had a hard day, it's been long, I'm feeling a little under the weather, or I was just, I'm tired, and I don't want to go, my kids are great, I love them, they're very sweet and cute, but sometimes I don't want to make Mason eat his broccoli for an hour, 
It's hard. I don't like it. It's unpleasant. It's unpleasant. Mason, eat your broccoli. Mason, eat your broccoli. Mason, eat your broccoli. It's unpleasant. I don't want to do that sometimes. Sometimes I don't want to try to convince my daughter Cammie to share and to not yell no and mine at me because she, she, I don't want to do that. Sometimes, some days I don't want to do that, but I do. What if I called Jess and what if I called my wife one day after work and said, hey, I'm not coming home. Hey, why, why not? Why not? Oh, I just don't feel like it today. <laughs> she would say, get home right now. And she would be correct. Sometimes obedience is hard. Sometimes obedience is unpleasant. Sometimes you're not going to feel like bearing the fruit that God has called you to bear. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he died, hours before he'd be arrested and tried and beaten and hung on a cross. And he's praying to the Father. He's praying to the Father. Father, if there's any other way, God, if there's any other way, if I don't have to go to the cross, if I don't have to be beaten, if I don't have to be forsaken by you, please let this cup, let me do something else. Let me do it some other way. Did Jesus want, was he excited about dying on the cross? Was he excited about bearing our sins? I don't think so. He was in agony in the garden, asking of the Father, if this cup, if you can take this cup from me, please do it. What if Jesus just said, the soldiers come to arrest him, the religious leaders come to arrest him, and they say, Jesus, you're coming with us, we're going to put you to death, and he's like, hey, you know what? No, and walked away. What if he did that? I don't feel like it today. That would be bad news for us. That'd be very bad news for us. Jesus, the most important part of that moment is at the end of his prayer, Jesus says, but your will be done, Father. Your will be done. I will obey. I will obey. You see, sometimes to not be a hypocrite, to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, we need to say, God, I'm nervous. God, I'm scared. God, I don't, I don't feel like doing this today, but I'm going to obey you. Jesus was that example for us. He was the perfect example. Jesus looked and acted the part. I mean, he looked the part. The Bible, the New Testament makes it clear that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. All the prophets point to him. All the books of the Bible point to Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, it describes Jesus as the greatest high priest. He's the fulfillment of that office. Jesus is the greatest prophet. He's the new and better Moses. He is the man. He is God with us. Truly God with us. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things. He looks like the Messiah. He looks like a follower of God. He was a good Jewish guy on earth too. He went to synagogue. He knew the scriptures. He did all, he tithed. He did all of those things that you do as a good Jewish, God-fearing man. He had all the appearance. He said, I've come to fulfill the law. Jesus looked the part. No one could question him. You could not truly question his devotion to God. The fervor of his devotion. But it wasn't all leaves with Jesus. It wasn't all outward appearance. It wasn't all just these things that make you look like you know God. He also had the fruit. He also bore fruit. He also loved people sincerely. He had care and compassion on the outcast 
He, he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He proclaimed the kingdom of God wherever he went. He went proclaiming God's kingdom. He looked the part, but more importantly, he acted the part. He was a savior. He was a reconciler. He did things that were, un- he lived an unpleasant life. Rejected by his family, rejected by his people, rejected by the world, and ultimately nailed to a cross, beaten beyond recognition, a crown of thorns thrust on his head. Jesus did all of those things to obey the Father. He acted the part. He said he was always doing and participating in what the Father was leading him into. He bore great fruit. He is our example. Sometimes it's hard. To follow Jesus. Sometimes it's unpleasant to follow Jesus. Jesus promises us lots of different things, but he promises us that we will suffer for his name's sake. What if we were just to say, I'm only going to do what I feel like doing? There's a lot of stuff as a Christian that I do not feel like doing. I don't feel like it. I may never be comfortable with it, but I know that God has called me to do that thing, and I want to obey him and to say, God, Your will be done. God, if there's some other way, awesome. Jesus did that too. But God, your will be done. I want to follow you. I want to honor you. I want to worship you. So today, we need to look at your your life. When When I talked about hypocrisy, a lot of you said yes, yes, that you recognize in your life that there is hypocrisy, that there is things that are inconsistent with what you say you believe about Jesus. There's parts of your life that are really leafy, and there's not a lot of fruit there. So you need to look at your life and say, do I just look the part, but I don't bear fruit? Jesus talks about people like this in the book of Matthew. Sorry for whoever's coming up with this one, but I'm just going to read it real quick. Jesus, at the end of time, is going to divide people. He's going to judge people. He's going to separate people. This is in Matthew 25, verse 41. Here's what he says about the lack of fruitfulness. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you, uh, I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then Jesus will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. When you look at your life, when you think about who you are, what's the content of your faith? Is it all just leafy show? Is it all external Are you relying on the fact, well, when I stand before God, I can say I had perfect church attendance? Or are you going to do what he's called us to do? To have compassion. Listen to that. The fruit. What Jesus cared about was the content of their faith. What it produced. What it produced. What it brought about. How it brought change. How it brought reconciliation. How it brought the gospel. How it brought peace and truth and love and compassion. That's what Jesus cares about. So if that's the hypocrisy of your life, just know that the outside, the external, what you do, if, you just, if you're just here, you're relying on those things. It's not enough. 
And I know, like, Jesus is telling this story because there are many people that are going to stand before him and be kind of blown away. Wait, Jesus, when did I not bear fruit for you? Jesus, when, when, when was that? And Jesus says, depart from me. You cursed. That's a scary and frightening reality that we want to come and wrestle, come to terms with and wrestle with. But we also want to act like followers of Christ. We don't want to just like look, act like it. We want to look like it as well. We want to look and appear to be followers of Christ. We don't just follow Jesus when we feel like it. We don't just obey God when we feel passionately about it. We do it all the time. Jesus said that we need, our whole lives are to be submitted to God. Not just parts, not just sections, not just bits and pieces, the whole life, your whole life. Some of us, we say, Look, I'm not, I, I love Jesus and everything, and I want, I'm his follower, but I'm not ready to give him, I'm not really ready to hand over my, my money to him, to really just put that under his feet. I love Jesus and everything, but I'm not ready to stop, like, living with my girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm not ready, like, that's really important to me. It's really important to me, that's something special to me. And I know, I know God has things to say about it, but uh, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready to give him certain parts. I'll give him what I can, but I'm going to hold some things and keep, it, keep some things to myself. And Jesus says, no, no. Jesus is Lord. We don't have kings in our country. You know, we don't have a king. Some of you may have come to the States and you came from a country that had royalty of some kind. But Jesus is Lord. When you have a king, when you have a real old school monarchy going on. You belong to the king. You are his subjects. And Jesus is our king. And he's a great king. He's an amazing king. He's the best king. But he's your Lord. And when we pledge ourselves to him, when we say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, he, we mean it. Be the Lord of my life. Be in control of the whole thing. It all belongs to you. And so we want to look like good subjects of God's kingdom. We want to look like it. We want to look like it and act like it. Some of us are saying, how do I change that? I have hypocrisy in my life. I've got garbage in my life. I have all these different things that I know shouldn't be there. I look at my life and I look like Ryan's terrible orange tree. You know, like there's parts that you may have some bald patches. Maybe there's some weird-looking fruit on it, and you think, I need to change. But how do I do that? I think the end of this passage gives us a great hint at that. Jesus says this in verse 20 of 21. When the disciples saw the withered tree, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. It will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Faith. That's the key. That's how we can change. That's how we're transformed. Now, faith, a lot of times we think about that word, is just believing. I believe that something exists. I believe that God exists. That's my faith. It's a, we think of it as a kind of a mental affirmation of something that is true. But the word for faith is really more the idea of trust. Trust. When you hear the word faith in the New Testament, think trust. 
think trust. I trust in the power. I have faith in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. When we, when, if you were to go out and go to find some mountain and say, go and be cast into the sea, boom. It's not, it's not the faith, it's not believing that that can happen or that you have the, it's the trust that that's the power of God that can move mountains. It's the trust. So today, if you found yourself, if, you've, if God is tugging at your heart saying, let's clean this hypocrisy out of there. You got something, let's get it out. Let's get that out of there. We should pray. Go to God. Earnestly confess our sins. Ask him to change us. Ask him to transform us. And trust, have faith that God can transform your life. Look, when I was in college, I was, when I, coming into my senior year, I was a, like, 110-pound person. Now, I don't look like I'm much more that now, but trust me, I've gotten a lot fatter. So, uh, I was 110, and I started taking a weight training class. Like, I was so light that when I was in high school, I was not allowed to donate blood. I didn't weigh enough to donate blood. So, I decided I don't want to be as tiny of a person anymore. And so I took a weight training class. And I just kind of started doing that. And I, you know, I was lifting almost an entire bar. Um, and, uh, I, you know, you'd progress, you grow, you change. And, but I didn't really, it was kind of imperceptible what was happening. You know, if I looked in the mirror, I didn't notice anything. I couldn't see it as I, as I was changing. But I saw, like, I could increase the weights and all these things. And I remember one day, I stepped onto a scale, stepped onto a scale, and I weighed 130 pounds. I'd gained 20 pounds over this time. It was like, whoa. And it wasn't, I was eating, it was, it was all muscle. So, uh, <laughs> but sometimes you can't see the change, right? When you're in it, you can't see the change in my life. Personally, in my, as I grow in Christ, there's things that I struggle with that I'm asking, God, change me, God, change me, God, change me. And it feels like years and years and years where I'm asking and begging and pleading, God, take this away. God, transform me. And it feels like nothing has changed. And then I look back. Sometimes I journal. Sometimes I write things down, write my prayers. And I look back. And I take a, a nice, good hard look at my life and I realize, wait. I'm different now. Wait, the, the things I used to struggle with aren't the same things I struggle with today. Wait, it's new. God is changing me. He's transforming me. And when I see those things, it builds my trust, my faith, knowing that God can transform me. God can transform you.